Welcome to Crossroads of Culture and Christianity. I am your host, Jacob Jellison, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Hof. Today, we want to spend some time exploring this concept of hierarchy and doctrine. Several weeks ago, I posted a question on our social media pages, and one of our listeners asked us to comment and kind of explore this concept of hierarchy of doctrine. In other words, there are different tiers that people sometimes divide doctrine into, first tier being the fundamental beliefs of Christianity. In other words, you must believe this in order to be a Christian. And then it goes from there. You have second tier there that they would consider just a little bit less important and third tier that would be even less important than that and fourth tier. And so we just kind of want to take some time and explore this and see how this works and and whether it, it seems to really make sense or whether doctrine should be divided this way. So Whenever you mention the idea of dividing doctrine, Brother Jellison, into this uh, first, second, third, sometimes a fourth tier of doctrine, uh, and it's become kind of a popular way to refer to doctrine, there's a few things, kind of ground rules I like to just, in considering this layout. Number one is that, and and this isn't necessarily a problem, uh, but number one is the fact that you don't find the Bible within itself necessarily laying out for you, you know, here's first tier doctrine, second tier, third tier, fourth tier. It's just the word of God just presents the doctrine. Right. And and it doesn't divide things into different categories. And and I'd like to make a point about the Bible itself and its presentation of doctrine, uh, because the Bible is full of of doctrine. I mean, you, you, you can't walk through this book without getting doctrine. If, if you're going to walk through this book, you're going to be pouring through doctrine. And, and yeah. when you read the Bible, everything in this book is important. And I'm going right. to go back to Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 3.16, the idea that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And he goes through a list of, of what it's profitable for. We can correct with it. It's reproof. It's it's for, doc, for instruction in righteousness, for all of these things. All Scripture given by inspiration of God and profitable. And so what I, what I want to be very careful, to, even in with doctrine, understanding that there are some things that are really important to understand, I mean, from the beginning of one's Christian life. While there are other things that they will learn later on in their Christian life, I never want to say those things are unimportant. Everything right. in God's Word is vitally important. So I don't want to see things in God's Word as, well, it doesn't really matter whether you believe that. If it's in the Bible, it's vitally important. And, and granted, there are areas where it's difficult, passages that are difficult, different viewpoints, but if it's in God's Word, it's vitally important. And everyone ought to be fully persuaded in their mind concerning the truth that's in God's Word. Uh, whenever it comes to doctrinal issues, and we can talk about a few of these in just a little bit, but even some issues that we would say, well... It really doesn't make an eternal difference in that individual soul. 
you could believe this way and, and go to heaven, or you could believe that way and go to heaven. That still doesn't mean this particular issue is unimportant if, it, if the word of God deals with it at all. It's important for us to study it and try to understand it the best we can. Right. And that's just it, isn't it? I mean, one of the problems with this concept of dividing doctrines into tiers is that there's a almost a, a pull, if you want to put if you want to put it that way, or that's not the really the term I'm looking for, but it almost opens the door for the possibility of looking at some doctrines within scripture as if they're not important enough to really bother with. And I, I just don't know that that's a, a way that God has designed it or, or that God intends for it to be. If you're, if you're dividing these into categories and well, the first tier, those are the most important. So those are ones we want to focus on. And then we're going to put something else over here in second tier. There's almost this inclination almost, if you're not careful to be like, well, because those are not so significant that I'm really not going to bother with those as much, or I'm not really going to practice those as I should. So, but I, I agree with you. And I think the point that you made is a, a very vital one. Even if you were to divide doctrine into different tiers or different levels, it still doesn't take away from the fact that all of it is vital to adhere to all of it is vital to practice whatever God has said in his word is important for every single person. And it doesn't matter how small it is. I mean, even you even have scripture talking about how not one jot or tittle shall pass away till all be fulfilled. So the word of God, even in that situation, the word of God is so important that even the smallest, the idea there is even the smallest and most minute of details are still just as important and they're going to stand. Right. That's true. So one of the things when it comes to seeing doctrine with with the idea of these different tiers, different maybe levels of doctrine or theology, one of the things that often is done is is that we would say anything directly connected to the gospel or maybe a good way of saying it is anything required to know and understand in order to really understand the gospel we'd say that's kind of our first tier of doctrine so rather than ranking it when i'm talking about if we talk about tiers of doctrine that's fine as long as we don't mean that we take some doctrine out of God's word and relegate it to an unimportant level. Okay. As long as we see it, what I, I kind of like to look at it, maybe, maybe this is a helpful way. So first tier would be those kind of things that, I mean, from day one, we probably ought to try to understand these things, you know, right. I mean, you, you can't even get saved without knowing that Jesus is God's son he came to this earth. He, our sins were laid upon him. He died. He was crucified. He rose from the dead. You know, these are some things that are absolutely, we, we've all sinned. I mean, these are things that are absolutely essential. You don't even get a, the smallest grasp of the gospel without these things. Uh, right. And so, so these would be put into kind of that category of first tier. All right. They're, I mean, they're, they're vitally important. And there may be some things that would get put into first-tier issues that later on you find out just how connected they are to the gospel. 
maybe you would put probably a lot of people would put things like the doctrine of the Trinity in that category. And again, even in the gospel, you think in the basic gospel message, it's, well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We've got the Trinity there. They may not know Trinitarian terms, you know, even the word Trinity. We may not even toss that out there yet. But it's, I mean, from the get-go, these are kind of things that are really, really deeply intertwined with the gospel and connected to the salvation of an individual. And so we would put those kind of in first tier. Other doctrines may get put in second tier. Maybe we would say something like, this is just an example. And and one of the things you might find is that different people, it may be that different authors will put slightly different things in different places, you know, on these different tiers of of doctrine. Uh, and so it's it, it's it's kind of a it's an approach for for men that men have come up with on how to sort of categorize doctrine, put some order to it. Doesn't mean necessarily that it's wrong. It just, but we need to understand that this is something the Bible doesn't do. It's something men are doing. So men right. may slightly lay it out a little differently. So you might say something like the fact that Jesus is coming back to rapture his church. That may actually get put in like a second tier of doctrine. Jesus is coming back to rapture his church. And so it's it might not be that from day one, this believer you know, says, okay, so Jesus is coming back to rapture his church. Maybe, maybe that's like day two. He needs to learn that, you know, um, right. is it, is it important for him to know that? Absolutely. Crucially, vitally important. And again, I'm not saying you have to wait till day two for him to get that. I'm just saying it might not be the first thing we tell them, you know, it might right. be the second thing we tell them. And, and then there's maybe you say third tier, if we were to sort of we're, we're, we're laying our doctrine kind of an orderly fashion, starting from the gospel, the essentials uh, for the moment of salvation and moving outward. And so it might be that if we talked about the timing of the rapture, well, when he's coming back for his church, that would probably be more like third tier. I, I'm going to deal with the fact that he is coming back for his church before I ever deal with when he's coming back for his church. It doesn't mean I'm never going to get there, okay? But it just is kind of the order of this thing. And granted, the further we get to third and fourth tier, the further we get in those areas, not that they're unimportant, not that they don't matter, they absolutely matter. If it's in the Bible, if it's it's Bible doctrine, it's important. And so... It's not that these things don't matter, but I might be able as I move outward with the exception of, I mean, there are some things that, that would require even a one thing that might require a difference to what I'm about to say. But as you get into third and fourth tier doctrine, you know, some things like the timing of the rapture, when is Jesus coming back? It might be that you and I could fellowship just fine with somebody who believes he's coming back at a different time than we do. I maintain that and have believed for years now that Jesus could come back at any moment. Seems to me that in Scripture, 
that is would would be in line with what scripture teaches but i could fellowship with somebody that believed jesus was coming back you know had to wait until the middle of the tribulation to come back i could fellowship with somebody that believed that way now right if somebody believed that jesus wasn't coming back at all this gets a little different uh and so maybe even as you move further into these tiers to some extent it might show how tight the fellowship between me and this other believer could be okay with the exception of one thing though i don't want to relegate anything that falls under the category of sin as well if it's a sin you know i don't want to throw my doctrine you know my categories of sin in with these tiers of doctrine if that makes sense and say well you know adultery might be second tier doctrine and maybe lying is like third tier doctrine it doesn't work that way right i mean th- these are these are sins that fit in the category of sins they're not tiers of doctrine we don't have a doctrine of adultery and a doctrine of lying and a doctrine of murder you know these are categories or 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 particular types of sin they fit in the category of sin and so we don't have a a doctrine for each sin there is that a person could commit we have an overarching a doctrine of sin and an area of unrepented open sin can can cut off fellowship and and indeed should cut off fellowship uh and and we could look at it it's not the our goal in this episode necessarily but uh some of Paul's maybe a later time we could talk about it in some of Paul's epistles he talks about the need for cutting off fellowship and there are some believers that he says don't even sit down and eat a meal with them but but you you literally cut off fellowship when a believer lives in unrepentant public sin that severs fellowship until that's dealt with and so there are times when even for a small thing there's a problem we we don't have close fellowship with certain individuals because of that but when it comes to just our doctrines okay not we're not talking holiness of life we're not talking sin we're not talking that when it comes to just our doctrines the further out you get we may be able to have more difference of opinion and still maintain a fairly tight fellowship right and that's i think that's the important thing to kind of focus on too because as you said it's a it, giving the example of Christ's return it's fundamental to believe that he is returning but the difference of opinion comes about the timing right things like that so it's not so much a matter of you're completely how do, how do I want to put this? It's not so much a matter of you're rejecting a fundamental doctrine and replacing it with another one. It's just a matter of differences in the minute details of those doctrines. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and obviously, in some of the more minute the detail, the more we could probably differ and still have fellowship. Uh, right. Maybe even very close fellowship. But there are some things that are going to absolutely make it for me to where we i just can't fellowship at least not at the same level at all just take for instance if you were to look at something like 
one's view of the gifts of the spirit, you know, cessationism uh, versus continuationism. And if you were to look at one's view of the gifts of the spirit, and that to me is, is such a major issue that affects church life, that regardless of where somebody puts the gifts of the spirit is that, are we talking second tier? Are we talking third tier? What are you talking when it comes to gifts of the spirit? I I don't care where the theologian puts that. It affects church life so critically that I could not fellowship with somebody tightly who is on the other side of the fence. It doesn't mean I would say that all the people that disagree with me are necessarily bound for hell. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to come out with a strong statement like that. I dare say some who disagree with me probably are, and I dare say some who agree with me probably are, but I'm not going to come up with an umbrella statement that if you're in my camp on this, the gifts of the Spirit, whether they continue or cease, you're going to heaven, the other camp you're not. That's not, I've never done that in in dividing doctrines, but that doesn't mean that doctrine isn't important. It's absolutely critical. And here's the problem. Uh, The reason why for me, I, I could not fellowship tightly with somebody on the other side of the fence. Imagine going to church. And for me, as I read scripture and look at the gifts of the spirit and see that, okay, this is how God, how the early church was. The New Testament church was this way. They had the gifts of the spirit in operation in their worship service. They had messages in tongues and, and they were supposed to have them. They had prophecy and they were supposed to. And, and nowhere in scripture does it ever speak of a time in the time of the church? Does it ever speak of a time that 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 these gifts cease? And so I say, well, that's what the church ought to look like today. Then when I go to church and I'm praying and we're the in a worship service, and and it ought not to be just in the worship service only, but these gifts do play largely in the worship service. Uh, read First Corinthians twelve through fourteen. You'll see that that's a place these gifts of the Spirit are operating. And so, even though they could operate outside of a worship service, they do operate very greatly in the context of a worship service in church. And so, for me, I go to church and I'm praying and I'm, Lord, do you want to speak to this congregation something through me? Do you want to give something, whether it's a prophecy, whether it's a message in tongues, whether it's an interpretation after someone else gives a message in tongues? And if I feel God impress upon me that he wants to speak, for me, if I just held that down and refused to give it or refused to allow others to give something that the Lord impressed upon them, I would feel that we were uh, grieving the spirit. There's a certain element of us grieving him and, and holding down and not allowing a prophecy to go forth. Or and That's a serious issue to me. Uh, and rightfully so. By the uh, on the other hand, the individual who's a cessationist, if I go ahead and give out what the Lord wants to speak to the church, what I feel He's wanting to say through me, the cessationist feels like we're allowing the flesh, someone to just be operating in the flesh, or they may go so far as to say we're allowing a demonic manifestation. 
so they couldn't worship with me. So there are some issues like this that I don't care on the gifts of the Spirit, whether you relegate it to second, third. I don't care where you put it. It's so critical and affects so much of church life that there's no way we can have tight fellowship. Doesn't mean I say everybody on the other side of the fence is automatically lost on their way to hell, but it does affect our church life to the point that there's no way we can have tight fellowship in the same church. Right. And it seems like it seems like that's kind of the divider between obviously between the first and second tier, you have the divider being what's considered fundamental within the church to to be saved. And so that's going to be the dividing line. But it, it does kind of seem like the more I consider it, it seems like the, the dividing line between the second and third tier potentially really has to do with fellowship inside the church. So to, to be in the first tier alone, these are doctrines that you have to hold to to even be in ch- in the church, uh, right. uh, the, the broader sense. But then once you move out of this first tier, you go into the second tier and the third tier, that seems to be just kind of discrepancies within the church itself. So it's not a matter of whether you're in the church. It's just a matter of what views do you hold regarding these doctrines? And as you said, those are going to be the things that, that do kind of cause us to not be able to, to have as tight a fellowship. In fact, that's the reason why you have so many denominations and different things like that. And I had a discussion with someone not too long ago in one of my classes that I'm taking. And uh, we were talking about how there are certain things that do, we use the word divide and I don't mean divide in the sense that it, it breeds animosity or causes us to unchristianize anyone. What I mean by divide is it causes us to split and, and go our different ways. And so for example, and this was the example that I gave, it it would be very hard as a Pentecostal that believes in uh, free outward expressions of worship within reason. I mean, there are some things that I I would disagree with even, even in that category, but it would be very hard for me to attend a church on a regular basis with someone in another camp that believes in a reserved, quiet type of worship. It just, it, it wouldn't be very conducive to either one of us to do that. Right. And so that's going to be an issue, which would be second or third tier. I mean, your style of worship, so to speak, would be, I, I think, doesn't mean it's not important. I'm right. just saying this is going to be one of those issues that we're going to kind of it's going to cause us to separate, go our separate ways and not as closely fellowship one with another because there is such a vast difference there. Yes. And again, I would like to reiterate my point I made earlier that just because something's in a third tier or a fourth tier, however many tiers you break it down into, and most people that's about as far as they go, it's kind of a fourth tier. Uh, but just because you you see something in those third and fourth tiers doesn't mean it's not important. Okay. Right. It just we might not either divide so sharply over it. If you know, it might be those minute details that are in our doctrine. And and honestly, even the minute details of our doctrine, I could make an argument, and I think rightfully so that it is connected still to the gospel. You know, for instance, timing of the rapture, that is an issue that becomes connected to the gospel. So even though we're in later tiers, there's a connection there still to the gospel, but I might see it as a, you know, again, a more minute detail 
And so I can allow differing ideas, even in those I'm in very close fellowship with. But there are some ideas that get affect so much and uh, maybe and that becomes maybe another way we could divide our doctrines based on not just minute detail, you know, basic doctrine, minute details. We might also do it based off how much is affected by this particular doctrine. There are some basic doctrinal positions that that affect a lot, you know. And so there's a lot right. of other doctrines affected by this one little idea. And the further out you go into the minute details, the less other doctrinal positions are affected by that minute detail. You know, it, it'll affect some, but but less and less. Your view of the Trinity is going to affect a ton of other doctrinal details. You know, it's 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 it's, it's going to play large. It's it's right there at the heart of Christianity. And so it's going to play pretty broadly, your view of the uh, the Trinity, you know, as far as accepting the doctrine of the Trinity versus rejecting it. That's going to play pretty big and affect a lot of other doctrinal details. So when we see something like that, that's another way of maybe looking at it. Something that really affects a lot might get put earlier in these tiers. Uh, and something that affects less it doesn't mean it's not important, though, and I've reiterated that over and over because I don't want our, our listeners to say, okay, well, I guess these other doctrines just don't matter. If it's in the Word of God and God saw fit to give us a passage, give us a verse, I don't care if it's in there one time or 50 times. If it's in God's Word, right. it's important. And and so even down to the basic details I, I want to see them as important. It's important for me to study, important for me to understand, to comprehend, to try to understand God's word and apply it to my life. And so even though it's fine to see doctrine through this lens, if you will, first, second, third, fourth tier of doctrine, that's fine if we want to lay it out, that kind of organize it that way. But at the end of the day, let's not walk away from something regardless of what tier we put it in. Let's not walk away from anything and say it's unimportant. It doesn't matter. Everything in God's word is important. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at askthecrossroads at gmail.com. If you would leave a, a comment or a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, that would greatly help us. And if you would like to donate to the podcast, you can do that by clicking on the description of this episode and following the instructions down there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.